my mic. Oh, you're, you're good. What's going on, everybody? Uh, it is that time. Uh, and uh, we are, this is Real Life for Duke White. And it's also FM in the AM, Current FM, uh, WJLZ Current FM. We have with us Lindsey Graham, uh, the Patriot Barbie is with us. What's going on? What's going on, Duke? <laughs> good to see oh, you, my friend. It's good to see you again. I have missed you ever since NRB oh. because uh, you have such a wonderful spirit, uh, such a warrior spirit. I'll put it that okay. way. I don't want you know, and you are definitely a, a warrior. You have a warrior's heart, and I love that that you have a warrior's heart. Uh, and people don't understand warrior ministry sometimes. Mm. Uh, people know comfortable ministry. Uh, they know uh, recovery. They know all those are, but warrior ministry, you never know what you're going to get. Yeah. It's, <laughs> a so, it's a different ministry. It's just like hard to even describe it as a ministry because you come off as so hardcore for Jesus. People yeah. forget Jesus turned over tables when you made him mad. Yeah, they, 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 yeah, they forget about that part, or that God can be a God of wrath, and mm -hmm. you know, He did flood the earth. So there's this yep. balance. I like to say there's a balance to, yep. to a God, and and even how He expresses Himself through us. Uh, now let's get real. You were pretty much uh, ignited uh, when everything. Uh, I guess not only from COVID, but also when there was a massive attack on. I call it an attack on mm -hmm. children uh, and their ability to just be kids and develop. Uh, so just talk to us a little bit about how you got started doing what you're doing. Well, um, a lot of people don't even associate we, me with my original first act of <laughs> polite defiance, if you will, uh, warrior ministry, which was that um, during 2020 lockdowns in, I've lived in Oregon and I was one of the first Americans to reopen my business against lockdowns. Um, I owned a 25 chair salon in Salem. Uh, my husband and I owned six businesses. We were very not political, not really living, you know, like a life following Jesus devoutly, just kind of living our life. And the lockdowns did not make sense to me right away. And I think I literally thank the Lord for that wisdom because there's really no reason that I shouldn't have been your basic like, oh, yeah, I mean, it's killing people and I'm watching the news. And like he just gave me instant clarity that really did not come from being religious or being political. Um, and from the very beginning, I was awake. We locked down. OK, whatever. I had a new baby. I'll take the maternity leave. Um, three weeks in, I'm like, this does not make sense. This none of it makes sense four weeks. I don't, I'm starting to get a little, little righteous <laughs> anger about losing my livelihood. And six weeks I'd had enough. I was like, dude, we're going to lose all of our businesses. We're going to have to sell all of our stuff, start selling off our livelihood to survive if we stay shut down. So just as a, a, a very polite act of defiance, I was like, I'm going to open, I'm going to do hair, whatever. No big deal. I feel like America's going to understand why I have to do hair. So I went and did hair. It became national news. The governor targeted me. They threatened to take my kids. They threatened to find me. They did find me, um, threatened to shut me down. Classy misdemeanor, all the stuff that you saw on the news. If you guys can remember, yeah, I, I it, was like, it, it was like I was the ultimate criminal for, for opening my salon. Um, oh, you were. So, oh yeah. Oh yeah. I was a murderer, a murderer. A selfish B I T C. Were you, you know. getting text messages? Were you getting emails and stuff? Hate mail? 
Oh my gosh. So you got to read my book. I actually outline everything that they did to me in my book, but we had six businesses. They all had an Instagram. They all had a Facebook. They all had an email. And then we had our phone numbers linked to them. We were getting hate messages every second on every single business, on every single platform, nonstop. I was berated incessantly for probably four to five days. Um, totally cancel, totally canceling us. It was a nightmare. And I actually went through like a, a few days of pretty severe depression because of it. Like I lost my identity. Um, so yeah, so that's how I got started in the political kind of movement. And then the George Floyd riots started. And because I had put myself out there in the media as a conservative now, um, the someone had posted on you know Facebook, when you go start rioting and burning businesses, make sure you burn down Glamour Salon and kick Lindsey Graham's you-know-what. And I was like, hold on a second. I just fought the government single-handedly for a week, 10 days. Now you're going to burn my salon down because I want to work? So I did a call to arms and 400 patriots showed up outside my salon and we protected all of downtown Salem. And for that reason... <laughs> I got labeled a white supremacist, a white nationalist. Um, I was all over the news all over again. All of the media like fabricated these events and twisted them into something completely different than what they actually were. Um, we got like someone started a petition to have my business license revoked because I was a threat to the community. 85,000 people signed it. All my stylists left. We got, I mean, we lost all of our businesses because of this. So in that moment, we had nothing left in Oregon and I don't, I don't remember hearing the Lord's voice telling me to do this. We just did it. We just left everything behind, closed our businesses, sold our home and moved to Arizona. And it, 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 <laughs> like the massive hysteria, because right now I, I have to know, has anybody apologized now that we're on the other side and we found out so much of it, uh, was nonsense with the vaccines and they're like, has anyone apologized? No. I mean, I had one friend that didn't stand by me and she apologized for not having my back. She said, I should have supported you more than I did. I stayed quiet and, and she was a nurse. So she believed all the propaganda about COVID and she was on the other side going, people are dying and we're putting people on ventilators. And a guy had to FaceTime his family to say goodbye. And I was like, I don't really believe that full story. Um, she apologized for not having back, but no one, no one from Oregon in the cancel culture has come forward and said, wow, I burned you at the stake and I was wrong. I'm sorry. No one. Yeah. Nope. Because now that people are finding out like this was one man made uh, mm -hmm. two that the vaccines didn't work. Uh, and, and, and three, like I, I have, there's, I had family members that, it was like, hey, we're not going to be around you because you're not vaccinated. Oh and I remember trying to, like, people making you feel stupid or because uh, you were vaccinated or making you feel like, you know, you were reckless. And now we see that the, obviously, the vaccine is actually hurting more people, mm -hmm. you know, than, than, than you know, and it, it's it's continuing on. And so my, my, my question to you now is, how did we end up in a cat suit? <laughs> Great question. <laughs> I love that story. So now I'm in Arizona. 
And I'm like, okay, Lord, I lost my career. I lost my livelihood. We don't know what we're doing here. I went through an identity crisis. Um, God called me to write my book, which is um, behind me there targeted very distinctly. And so as I'm writing this book, I, I know that God had me write it so that I could work through what he was planning for me. And what he was planning for me is I am so supposed to be a voice for conservatism, Christians, you know, the, the warrior ministry. I love that. I've actually never heard it called that. So that's what I'm going to call it from now on. Oh, uh, warrior ministry. Um, because I'm so bold and outspoken and unapologetic and that's how God made me. And I've never considered that to be an asset until now. And so I said, all right, God, I'm going to just go through the doors that you open for me and wherever that leads, I trust you that you've got something amazing. And so little by little, I just started getting involved in what was going on, like socially and economically and politically and spiritually. And someone informed me that there was a man in my community 72 years old, sits on a school board and dresses like a woman and makes the kids call him woman. And then I find out that he uses the little girl's restrooms at the events, at the school events, not at the school, but at the events. And I'm like, hold on a second. This dude is so much a dude. Like all he does is have pearl earrings in and puts lipstick on and is like, and dresses, but he's still so much a dude. And I had never spoken at a school board before. And I was like, I'm going to dress up like a cat. Because I happen to have a cat costume laying around from Halloween and write an entire speech about how ridiculous it is that he thinks if he can put on earrings and lipstick, that he's a woman and then lie to these children and put their their mental health in, in jeopardy by making them call him a woman when they know that he's not. They know that he's not. And so I did. I put the, it's hanging right there. I put the cat costume on, you did. wrote wrote this whole speech, went there and after I was done, I was like, that felt good. It felt really good to put somebody in their place. And it didn't have a big effect on him because he sat there with his head up like, I know my truth, you know. But um, the speech was well written. It was. It was common sense. It wasn't radical. It wasn't emotional. It was just fact and truth and biology and nature and science and God, right? That you are not a woman and I am not a cat. And it's, it's just that simple. And it went viral about a month later. Fox News somehow yeah, snagged I it. And that's when it made a difference because when it went viral, that's when parents saw it and parents in the community had no clue that this guy was sitting on the board making decisions for their children's schools, making them call him Miss Bixler, using the women's restrooms at the events. And also, by the way, voting on things like girls be or boys being able to to participate in girls sports voting on things like i think children should have a safe space in the school where if they're transitioning or they don't identify counselors should be able to talk to them and we shouldn't notify the parents these yeah. are the kind of things that these people are voting on so that is how i ended up going viral <laughs> at my very first ever school board speech <laughs> yeah now my thing is this um Obviously, this is your livelihood. Your life has been, you know, threatened. You've been attacked in every way, uh, all because you wanted to one stand up for your your family. Uh, two, uh, you stand up for you know for the cause of Christ, and now you're standing up for children, no matter what they believe in. You're just saying a boy has a right to be a boy and a girl has a right to be a girl. Mm -hmm. So now you're standing up for children, and and um, 
So first of all, I want to say I'm definitely extremely proud of you for being bold enough uh, to do this. I get called crazy all the time. Uh, well, you know, I'm actually crazy though. <laughs> but oh my. I, I get called crazy. We're all crazy. Yeah, it's the warrior ministry. A lot, That's of, right. you know, a lot of people don't understand warrior ministry. It's, you know, whatever they don't get that what direction God points you in, you mm -hmm. are fully committed to bringing justice in that area. And, and most people, you know, the, the Bible says that there's no place in the kingdom of God for cowards. Mm -hmm. and, and most people are completely unaware that um, that comfort is the one of the, the like it's, comfort is the nutrients of cowards. Mm -hmm. uh, most people are not willing to leave comfort. And so one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is because uh, I've been on this this thing about uh, getting our faith language back. And what I mean by that is language like bravery. Mm -hmm. Bravery is required. And most people hide behind faith. Uh you know, and, and they don't—they they don't get the whole faith without works is dead. You know, yeah. you were putting your—you didn't—you never claimed to be a Bible scholar, right? But you knew what you believed in, mm -hmm. and when things started falling apart on you, instead of just giving in and falling apart, you decided to push back, and it was because of your trust in God. Could you explain to us the, the conversation you had to have with yourself mm. in order to step out? Because, you know, there's the weaker version of you that will try to talk you out of what you accomplished. Yeah. Gosh. The, so I'm getting teary eyed already because this moment is so distinct in my life. Um, we had gotten pummeled with hate mail and hate messages for days on day after day after day. And all my stylists had started leaving my salon. They didn't even have the decency to tell me to my face. You know, I, I can't stand by you. They just would pack their things at night and leave. And I, we had just built a beautiful home in Oregon. It was our forever home on property. Um, I had just had a baby. We just bought a new vehicle to, you know, tote all the kids around. Um, we'd saved our whole life for a boat and we bought a used boat and it was going to be our family weekend things. Like our life was was ready to be at the peak of like our success. I mean, there could not have been a worse time for this to happen. And that's what made it that much more of a slap in the face when it happened is that we were like set for life at this point. And the day that I looked around and I knew that my life would never be the same was the day I had to accept that God was allowing this and I sat in my truck in my driveway. I couldn't go in the house. I was too upset. And I, I went, there's no way to get this back. I have no control over what is happening to us. And, and I, I could apologize to one side, but they wouldn't accept. And then the other side would be mad at me. I could apologize to this side, but then that side would keep coming after me and hating me. We have lost our entire life as we know it. Nothing will ever be the same. And I believe that God loves me. I believe that he wants the best for me. I believe that he plans everything and he right. knows everything. And if I believe that, then I must believe that if he is ripping my life out from under me, then he is taking it away from me so that he, he can give me something better, something bigger, something that he wants for me 
not what I want for myself because my life up until this point was what I had wanted for myself. I had done everything that I wanted and planned for my success as a hairstylist and as a business owner and was not even considering what he might want for me. And so I, I had to recognize this, this is really, really bad. And so God must have something really, really good. I truly believed it really good because he's taking so much from me at such the worst time. Now I'm going to say something really, really crazy to you. And I want you to give me back a real response. Uh, for like, if I was to, let me put on my devil horns, you know, to be the devil's advocate. If I was to say, why do you think you can talk to God so much when you have all those tattoos and piercings mm-hmm. and things like that? Could you just say what you really want to say to that person that, that, that obviously you said you're getting that mail, but I'd love to see where this, where that conversation goes. Yeah. So from what I understand, there's, there's one rule about tattoos in the Bible and it's in Leviticus. And from what I understand from Bible scholars, which I also not claim not to be, is that it had more to do with when somebody dies, they would cut their body and do something. And it was a ritualistic and that's what the Bible pertains to. Now, I don't know that for a fact, nor do I care, nor do I care. Right. Because my relationship with God is not based on law and rule. It's based on, I can't comprehend his law and rule in the Bible unless I'm a biblical scholar, but you don't have to be a biblical scholar to love Jesus and follow Jesus. So my biblical scholar goes like this. All right, Lord, I know that I'm, cutting my body. I know that your Bible says not to, I don't think it applies. You give me clarity. You tell me if this is wrong, convict me. If you want me to stop, tell me I'll stop. I'll obey you. But if, if you don't tell me, I don't know because I'm not going to follow the law in Leviticus that we've been freed from in the new Testament. Cause it also says men don't shave their beards. Well, are those men that shave are you Duke? Are you going to hell? Cause you shave your beard. Yeah, I mean, that's I, the rule in the Bible. I get it. I yeah. get it. And that's why I tell people all the time. Like uh, the reason why I've, I've been able to reach so many atheists is because I don't have a problem saying their fear of Christianity is accurate because there's so many people that speak in so many polarizations and it's like, you know, you know, you, you, it does make people want to back off and not deal with it. You know, mm-hmm. but when I look at how the word of God says he'll go after the, the leave the 99 for the one, right? When he goes after these people who really need him and he responds, and then I sit here and go, wait, you again, you never claim to be a Bible scholar, but I know that when trouble hit on a national level, on an international level, I know that you responded by having a conversation with the actual God that you believed in. You didn't, let me see what Buddha says. You, well, let me see what Allah says. Yeah. Let me see. You went and ran to the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Like that to me was a telltale sign of, of who you are and what you really believe uh, is that your response to an international dilemma, <laughs> you know, was let me run to God. Mm-hmm. And that to me was the testimony of your heart, not your tattoos and this and that. And not only that, I love how you have evidence that you had no idea 
what was going on. And God just put you in this powerful position. And now you're influencing hundreds of thousands of people. Right. Well, and that's part of like how, how writing the book sort of opened my eyes too, because in all honesty, I was like, Ooh, he's going to have me write a book. That means it's going to be a bestseller. I'm going to be wealthy. Like, yay. I'm still thinking like earthly things. Right. But as I'm writing the book, he's calling me to write about things that I do not want to write about. I have a very colorful past in my twenties. I did pretty much every horrible thing imaginable besides murdering someone. Well, no, I murdered someone too. I, I did. I, I had an abortion when I was 21. I was forced to have an abortion by an abusive boyfriend. And those are things that I didn't want to tell the world. And I didn't, wasn't really sure, like, is this book going to reach the world? Like, how big is this book going to go? But either way, when you publish it, you put it all out there for everybody. And I had, I sat down and wrote that book and God started calling me to write those things because those things became ways that he was going to use me now. And the ways that he's using me now are very unexpected. It wasn't, it's not like I'm a political activist and that's it. I don't know politics and I'm not a politician and I'm never going to be a politician and I'm not a biblical scholar and I'm not a constitutional scholar, but I was a drug addict. I was in an abusive relationship. I had an abortion. I tried to commit suicide because of that abortion. I went through so many crazy radical things. And now here I am writing a book and God's telling me to write about those to show everyone that this is who God uses, right? Tax collectors and prostitutes. Um, and that, those stories, those situations that I regret and I'm ashamed of are now what I have authority to speak on. Not as a perfect Christian, as a tattooed, pierced, ex-drug addict, ex-stripper, like weak, wounded, devil got a hold of me woman. And I did not expect that. And when I started writing the book and he was trying to tell me, like, I've prepared you for this time, I'm like how have you prepared me for this? <laughs> and then I'm like, well, you did do that. Okay. Well, I'm not going to write about that. Well, you got to write about it. If you want people to understand how I prepared you. And I'm like, gosh, darn it, Lord. <laughs> I don't want to write about that. So the book ends up being my testimony so unexpectedly. And I tell people now, well, do you regret your tattoos? Are you going to get them removed? I go, I'm still getting tattoos. I got King of Kings and Lord of Lords on my hands six months ago. No, I'm not, I don't regret them. And no, I don't think that they are sending me to hell. What I think is I'm the perfect person to minister to you because when you look at me and you think I'm going to be a hardcore biker tattooed chick that's got a story to tell, you actually get my testimony and you don't expect it. So I'm like the perfect vessel for the Lord because I don't look like a perfect Christian. You know, what's funny is that how many, uh, it's so funny because I, I hear Christians on, on one side say things like, oh, God can do anything. He can save anybody. And then when someone doesn't look like, you know, uh, you know, the, 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 the cookie cutter Christian, mm -hmm. they go, well, God won't use that person. Well, didn't you yeah. so it'll be the same person that just said God yeah. can use anybody yeah. and then turn around and be like, God can't do this. It's like, I'm never into uh, telling people what God can't do and who God can't use. Mm -hmm. and also, that's always very terrifying for me, especially when the New Testament that you just said you, you freed us so much was written mostly by someone who murdered Christians for a living. 
Yep. You know, it's like, what do you do with that? And, and yeah. again, you know, we're asking people to believe this. And I, and I think this is where uh, a lot of this is one of the reasons why a lot of believers are, are finding themselves in political situations, because there's a place where our our faith requires us to deal with reality. And, 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 and uh, unfortunately, the, that become that creates this uncomfortable conversation. What do you do when, uh, you know, you see the future in such dire danger with, you know, mutilating themselves to become mm-hmm. opposite sex and all this other things? Uh, what do you like? It's like the P the people of God don't respond. Who else will? Right. And so I'd love exactly. To, I'd love to yeah. ask you about that. Uh, you know, when it comes down to uh, when it comes down to this, I'd love to ask you about this. What do you say, you know, uh, uh, to believers who are afraid to voice themselves uh, because they feel like the media has too much control? They feel mm-hmm. like there's nothing we can do. There's there's, you know, the the, uh, the generation's already lost. What do you say to that? I, I say that if they if they really analyze themselves, they understand that it's fear, fear of losing the job, fear of losing their friends, fear of losing their family, fear of losing social acceptance and people liking them for who they think they are. Well, I've heard a couple of pastors say fear is not one of the um, the fruits, right? The fruits of the spirit. Fear is not. In fact, the only time it's mentioned in the Bible is in a negative connotation. God does not call us into fear. And by the way, what you're afraid of losing is all worldly stuff. Worldly, right? Uh, everything I lost was worldly. I, I lost friendships that were obviously not real friends. Um, family that obviously didn't respect or appreciate my faith. Um, a reputation that didn't matter. Um, I got a new one, which does matter. People that are afraid to speak up they're compromising what God has called them to speak up on for the world. Like, like you're selling yourself out to please the world, which is so counter to what God calls us to do. Be in this world, not of it. So all I know is in the moment where God is saying, this is the truth and you're afraid to speak it, That's the moment he tested you and you failed. How are we going to survive the rapture? How are you going to survive the end of the end of the world? If you can't stand up against, oh, I'm not going to get the vaccine because even though my job is on the line, I know that it's wrong or, you know, things like that. And there's a scripture I was going to look it up, but I didn't want you to seem I was distracted. No, you're you're good. You're good. That really like, it, it really emphasizes the warrior ministry. And I will look it up. And hopefully we can put it in the show, but it basically says, if you know something is wrong and you do nothing, you are just as guilty of the sin. So like you see men using little girls restrooms and you're too afraid to speak up. God's going to judge you in the same way. He judges that disgusting man using the little girls restroom. Is that who you want to be like in Joder? Is that who you want to be when Jesus comes back? No, it's you know, not. It's funny because I, I, again, I think about the fact that there's the, the scripture makes it clear. People don't hear that cowardism is a sin. It's that the means, first thing listed in Revelations. The first. Uh, it, it's terrible. Like, it's like if you look at it, like you're 
literally saying you believe God, but you're afraid, mm-hmm. that, you know, and like now you're in the way of the actual faithful, you know what I mean? And, and so now people uh, can look at you. I, I do want to play this real quick. I want to play this interview, uh, this, uh, the, the, the quick interview from Fox News. Let me just show everybody. What exactly? We don't know. Any kid in those schools could tell you that men and women are not the same. Just like they could tell you this cat lady isn't a cat. I am a cat. Meow, meow. I'm not a woman dressed as a cat. I am a cat. By show of hands, I'm curious uh, how many of you believe and confess that I'm a cat? Great. I am, by show of hands, I'm curious how many of you believe that your child or a child from this school would believe that I'm actually a cat? No one. You are right. Truth prevails over imagination. Reality exists. Discernment is innate and something we are biologically wired to have. One look at me and you know this to be true. I am a woman posing as a cat. <laughs> Lindsey Graham, the cat lady herself and host of the Patriot Barbie podcast, oh, joins me now. So, you Lindsay, what was that? And so... That's so not even you, the full speech. The full speech is exactly three minutes long. They yeah, cut so much. I want you guys to make sure, everybody who views this, make sure you go check out the full speech. What is the full speech under? Um, it's on my YouTube channel, which is Patriot Barbie. Um, so if you go to youtube.com slash at Patriot Barbie, it should be about three minutes long and it, it should be the cat. <laughs> the YouTube is weird now. They've changed the layout of YouTube, but it's on there somewhere, probably on one of those things. Yeah. Let's see. Where no, I, I love it. because oh, And it looks like that. Let's see. Keep going. Keep going. Oh, you can see my, you can see it. You can see there. Uh, no, that's not it. That's the Jesse Waters. I, you Where are putting in work. Look at you go. Dude, you should watch that Trump song one day too. Okay, go back up. <laughs> you you are putting in work. Like I love that you work. Oh. Look at all these videos, guys. I'm on her channel right now, and look at the work that she mm. puts in uh, to making sure people hear truth. I mean, you truth, really yeah. took on your new identity mm-hmm. as there a warrior. That's it, right there on the top left, where the with the gray. Right, wait, stop. Third row down now on the left. Right here. Right here. One more down. Here. Yep, there it is. That's it, right there. Right, so do you, let's, do you want to watch? Do you mind taking the time to let's, watch, watch it? watch it. Let's watch it. I haven't watched it in a while. <laughs> okay, we're gonna do it. My kids haven't memorized. Hello, my name is Lindsey Graham, and I am a cat. Meow, meow. I'm not a woman dressed as a cat. I am a cat. By show of hands, I'm curious. Uh, how many of you believe and confess that I'm a cat? Great. I am. By show of hands, I'm curious. How many of you believe that your child or a child from this school? would believe that I'm actually a cat. No one. You are right. Why? Because you are not stupid, and these children are not stupid. Truth prevails over imagination. Reality exists. Discernment is innate and something we are biologically wired to have. One look at me, and you know this to be true. I am a woman posing as a cat. You may also think correctly that if I truly believe I'm a cat, I have a mental disorder. If I suffer from a mental disorder, and if I'm unable to discern reality, am I safe to be around children? Would you put me in charge of making critical decisions about the safety and well-being of children and about the direction of their education when I cannot even discern truth from fiction? Confession. I'm not actually a cat, guys, just because I say I am. You've not agreed to or committed to addressing me as a cat simply because I demand it. No tail, whiskers, or outfit makes me a cat. 
just like no lipstick, high heels, or long hair makes him a man, a woman. It is just as biologically impossible for me to become a cat as it is for a man to be a woman. And you have one job as members of this school board, and it's defined as this. School board members are responsible for broad, forward-thinking, minute analysis and decisive action in all areas that affect students and staff in their schools. I ask you, do you believe that the actions of a grown man playing dress-up as a woman affects the students and staff positively or negatively? A public school is not the place for social experiments in altered realities or gender ideologies. It is not the place to celebrate a grown man with a mental illness, dressing as a woman, and teaching kids lies. Children come to school to learn facts and truths about reality, including unchanging biological truths about science and nature, not to learn that they can change biological realities and become anything they want in the name of diversity. What you're actually doing is worse than just lying to our kids. You're forcing them to be participants in your lie, in your charade. You're forcing them to deny what they see with their eyes and you're forcing them to speak lies. I ask you again, am I a cat? And if you say no, then the mindset must be aligned with your discernment across the board. By allowing a falsity to be displayed and paraded around the school, you teach children that truth is not existent, facts are not real, and biology is a lie. You fail at your job, your only job, by confusing children and teaching them untruths and to coddle a grown man playing dress up as a woman. If you were to address me as a cat right now, it's as ridiculous as when you say Miss Bigfler and a grown man's voice comes thundering over the- Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank You're you. welcome. Thank, You're thank very you. welcome. <laughs> my <laughs> pleasure. You. Oh my gosh. No, and, it, and, and here's the thing is that I do know when you break out from the comfort zone world, you know, everyone can see you. They can see your where you're right. They can see where you're wrong. They can see everything. And everyone criticizes. I tell people, it's always easy to criticize people on the front line. You know, like, mm -hmm. like you're. Like, and it's always easy to criticize the players on a football field. Yeah, you're not in the game. You don't. You should have done this. You should have yeah. done that. You weren't. If you weren't there. You, you weren't. And, and 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 you and you didn't respond. Right. You know, when, so a lot of times, again, people from the safety, they feel like they make the most sense. And I'm like, I'm always, matter of fact, to be, let me tell you how crazy I am. <laughs> my belief, you. Now my that belief, I've agreed to come on a show with you, now you're going to tell me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well, this, I invited you because I was like, well, she like, doesn't know me yet. <laughs> we'll get her. So check this out. My rule is when I look at the intensity of those that lived in the Bible and the sacrifices that they made for me to continue on carrying the faith. Mm -hmm. You can't even lead me unless you're willing to die for me. Mm -hmm. Because as a vet myself, I understand sacrifice and what's required, the blood that's required, the sacrifice that's required, the selflessness that's required to protect this nation. And so because of that, I cannot submit to any spiritual leadership that's not willing to reciprocate the very sacrifice that without even knowing who they are, I was already prepared to display myself. So if someone is greater spiritually than myself, the only way I'm going to respond, the only way I can submit to that is based off their ability to sacrifice themselves, despite them having a family or anything like that. Because when I look at what catapulted you into ultimate leadership was that you lost so much and had a family mm -hmm. and you still move forward like a brave soldier. 
when I saw your spirit, I saw the same spirit as those young people who left everything behind to become a part of the United States military. And I see the same integrity. I see the same passion. And I know that you didn't go through the crucible of boot camp, but you did go through some very tough times in life. And it, and the fact that worldwide chaos broke down, the church shut down, but the God in you rose up. And, and, and now you are a voice that's heard all around the world. When you thought you were disqualified so many mm-hmm. different times, but you never gave up, that is absolutely the true testimony of who God is and what God can do through people. And I have to congratulate you and thank you so much for being such a wonderful example that God truly is an unstoppable force. Yes. When everybody was giving up, you were moving forward and taking territory. And and the in the most unlikely person, like not a political activist, not a politician, not someone who's known for defying lockdowns, a a mom of three who owned businesses and was just doing hair, and I was like. That is it. But that is a testimony. That's also a testimony of who God is because we we're getting real, right? We've talked about tattoos and all those things. And God, we say that God knows us. He truly knows us. He knows exactly who we are, good and bad. He created us. He knitted us in the womb. And I say, I know what my flaws are. I know what my strengths are. I know where I'm, I'm good and successful and thriving. I also know my flaws and here's my flaws. I didn't, I wasn't obeying the Lord. I wasn't listening to the Lord when all of this happened. I wasn't following Jesus. I wasn't making decisions based on prayer and fasting and, and what's, what's for the glory of God. So when, when we lost my salon, I tried to hold on to it for dear life. Now this is me recognizing probably if I was paying attention that God is saying, let that go. I have something bigger for you. And I was like, no, 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 no. This is what I want. And we moved to Arizona. And you know that I flew back for an entire year, once a month and did hair, hung on to my clients, hung on to that last little bit of financial security as long as I could. And you know that I know that during that time, God knows me. He's like, gosh, she's so stubborn. Gosh, she just needs her financial security. I know what she needs. I'm gonna let her have it. I'm going to take it away slowly till she figures out what the plan is. He knows me. He knows what might have happened had he ripped it all from me. And I might have gone off the deep end and, and said, and, and just shut down. Right. He took it away slowly enough. That last little bit, he took away everything else right away, but he took away the last little bit slowly until I could write the book, which ironically, I like literally finished the book kind of when I was done flying to Oregon to do hair until I could recognize that he was doing it. He's (laughs) taking my clients. He's making me less successful. He's wasting my time. There's no point in me doing this anymore. I think that that's God telling me to stop. Fine. I'll stop. And, And it's like, he's like, thank you. I knew that you would. And I knew you well enough to know that this is how it had to be done. Now, are you ready? And I'm like, yes, I'm ready. <laughs> like- well, here's what's interesting about that. So we had a store in the mall, in Lynn Haven Mall here in Virginia Beach. And like, it was, it was always tough. You know, I mean, you're running a business is just tough, especially after 2020 and everything. It was always tough. Well, 
uh, my daughter had gotten some trouble at the mall and we ended up getting the kiosk moved to a place where we couldn't be seen anymore. And we went from $800 a day to $45 a week. <laughs> and it started to just, you know, and I, and then, uh, I didn't, I was starting to, it was starting to affect my health and my, you know, in, in my mental health and my spirit, I was starting to get depressed. Mm -hmm. And it's so funny because that exact detail is the way uh, it, it's, first of all, warrior ministry. Let me tell explain everybody real quick. When you are a warrior and you're in warrior ministry and God, there is a ministry to people who fight on the front line that you safe pew packers don't understand. And that ministry on the front, <laughs> you know, this, this is what I'm talking about right here. You're starting to, I'm getting comfortable That's awesome. starting to see That's it. That's awesome. But, but what happens is when you're on the front line and, and you're seeing what's really going on, there's just this battle of good and evil, no comfort zones, and you're in it, you, you know, accepting loss, it's going to take a minute to realize it's not loss, that God is shifting you doing something dangerous because he's designed you to fight and he's designed you to win. And so it's like, we'll, until God shows us, it's not lost. We'll keep fighting. That's right. You know what I mean? That's the truth. And so, uh, we get the invitation to NRB. I go to NRB and I see my kind there mm -hmm. yep. where I thought I was on my own. It was like a retreat for yeah. frontline warriors. Yep. And I start seeing all of my warrior brothers and sisters who are fighting and doing these things. And I meet you there. And when I came back, I couldn't go back into the same environment. Mm. And it was because of meeting people like you. And it was because of meeting all these wonderful visionaries who've sold their houses to start their ministries and you know, buy a boat to go across seas to feed the homeless, all these amazing stories that I heard. And I'm going, I'm not letting a kiosk keep me stuck. That's right. That's right. You know, I mean, I had to, I canceled the contract. Well, the cancel, contract still, we're, we're getting sued for it, but. Okay. <laughs> you <laughs> like, bad Christian, it's, you. It's like, it's like, but I'm not going to sit here and, and let them not even, matter of fact, they didn't even try to assist us. So it's like, I'm not going to let them, you know, uh, keep wearing me down when mm -hmm. there's so much to do. And with our television show and everything that we have going on, it's like, oh, I get it. God has been pulling me in this direction the entire time. Mm -hmm. And NRB was a big help. And you, when I started doing the research on you, now you are doing interviews and inspiring mothers. You had a school teacher on that mm -hmm. was harassed. Talk to me a little bit about what that's been like meeting other people who have faced some of that same persecution. Yeah, it's amazing. It's very empowering. Um, so the reason I started my podcast is because I had had a few followers since reopening the salon that have been following me for three years. Some of them I'm, I'm, I trust, they pray for me, they prophesy over me, they encourage me. And one of them has continued to prophesy. God says to use your voice, use your voice, use your voice. And I get comments all the time about my voice because it's raspy and it's unique. And I've always hated my voice, which I think is hilarious. I've always thought I sounded like a boy and I'm like, the Lord is calling me to use something that I'm insecure about. I think that's very strange, but also not because that would make sense, right? The devil would tell me that's right. your, that's a flaw, right? Don't, don't, don't be proud of that. And God would say, no, 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 there's a plan for that. So use my voice. So I started my podcast and 
it wasn't about, well, I have so much to say and I want to talk and I think people need to hear what I have to say. It was more about when I did what I did and it was global news, I was shocked at how many influencers and podcasters called me for an interview and gave me a platform to tell my story. <laughs> I was like, man, I'm just a regular person and I'm going on David J. Harris Jr. Like, cool, Glenn Beck, you know? Well, I am not at that level. However, when I when I hear God say, use your voice, I think it's give other people a voice to use your voice and your what you're now known notoriety and your platform to let other people tell their stories and make sure that we all know that there are other warriors out there, but also supporting each other and getting each other's story out and raising money and raising awareness. So my podcast is very interview style where like if I hear someone's dramatic story, I'm like, can you come on my podcast? Because I remember what it felt like for me to have people offer up their platform. And I was like, yes, thank you. I need, I need help. Like I'm fighting the government by myself. So now being able to give, you know, people like Jessica Tapia, she was a teacher. Everyone thinks she did this insane thing, right? Like she kicked a boy out of the women's locker room or anything like that. She didn't. She didn't do anything. The school found her Instagram and the students tried to cancel her because of her Instagram because it was faith-based. And the school board called her in and told her how wrong she was to use her own social media to speak up about faith-based topics. And she was like, what is happening right now? <laughs> like, yeah. I literally didn't do anything wrong and I'm being persecuted. And her whole story, I just love it. She started telling the story on my podcast and I'm like, this is literally not the story I thought it was. How amazing is this, that you right. actually get to tell the real story, not a 30 second, 90 second Instagram clip, what happened to you? And she's facing real life persecution, modern day persecution for loving and professing Jesus. And when you hear stories like that of everyday women that lost their job and gave it up and gave it to God and picked up their cross and followed him, it's, it's so empowering and inspiring. And I feel like I'm a warrior now. I don't need help. I still need <laughs> prayer and encouragement. But like my my big dramatic story has been done. Now who else needs a platform to tell their big dramatic story to encourage people? Right. And you know what's so amazing about what you're doing is this that you are creating a platform for other people. You are empowering other people. And, and what I think is, is so special is that uh, you're also showing that like those people that disqualify themselves. Mm -hmm. There's some people that can recognize that, that God uses people, but they disqualify themselves yep. and say that God can never use me. And, and, and that's not true. You're, you're proving that God actually can use, uh, you know, you know, people that, that disqualify themselves. What's so, so amazing about you though, is you've been through so much, um, and I would like to ask you a very personal question. You know, did, when you were when you were out there before, like your BC days, when you like you said when you were twenty, how many people actually tried to evangelize to you? Hmm. So I was raised a Christian, raised in church. The things that I did in my twenties were so out of character. Um, if I had to guess, probably like a demon had got a hold of my life. It was pretty crazy. It was like a solid three, four years and then done. God freed me from all of it. But you know, now that you say that, no one's ever asked me that before. It's a little discouraging how many people weren't paying attention to the drastic 
changes in my life. Like, like you would think it would have been pretty clear to my parents that I was now a meth addict. Like, how did you miss that? You know, that's, there's right. some pretty physical, spiritual signs of being a meth addict. Um, even my friends that were Christians knew, some of them knew what I was doing and were more worried about my health more than they were like, Hey, like, have you talked to God about what you're doing with your life? Um, I'm going to go with no one. Yeah. yeah. The reason why I ask is because, um, I, I do believe that there has one of the reasons that the body of Christ has lost such of an influence is while we have attempted to with spiritual leadership pastors and, you know, uh, pew backers, like I said before, that they have been so focused on building their empire and they uh, unfortunately have created the mindset that broken people know where to go. Mm -hmm. And they, they don't realize that that's actually not true. As right. a matter of fact, most people who are broken feel helpless and they're literally just trying to either numb the pain or waiting to die. And they already feel like they've done so much to offend God that they're either thrown away. God's not thinking about them. God doesn't care about them. So the idea that people know where to go is just not a true statement. That's people desperately need evangelism. And so part of my uh, thing is to provoke the church and to ask those questions because I want to provoke the body of Christ to say, why are you not in the community? Why are you not checking even with whether you're, I don't care whether the, for, from drug addicts to business owners, because they all need God for different reasons. Yep. You know, um, they all need support. Like why wasn't the church going, Hey, let's check on entrepreneurs to make sure that, you know, that I do have to ask you this too, as well. Did anyone reach out to pray for you when you were under the attacks that you were under when the whole COVID thing happened, as well as the, uh, the, the, the cat lady thing, has anyone reached out to preview since the COVID thing? Yeah, actually that is a, a, I have a great response for that. The amount of letters, emails, phone calls, um, there was plenty of hate, plenty, but there was just as much, if not more support. And I got the sweetest letters. You could tell that's from an old person, right? Because old people write letters and they write in cursive, praying for me, um, evangelizing, prophesying, encouraging, emails, phone calls. It was amazing. And still to this day, I'll get Instagram messages. Hey, I just want you to know that I'm praying for you and your family. I know you're taking hits for all of us. Um, I pray for, you know, strength for you and for protection for you, things like that. So strangers, strangers will will minister to me. And I think that that's, I mean, just as amazing as, as the people that I know praying for me. Wow. That's so good. Yeah. I only got a few more minutes with you because I, I know you said you, you gave me an hour, but I can talk to you all day. <laughs> I know you got, you got bigger and better things to do talking to me. But, that's not true. That's not true. <laughs> but but, but how, how has the book been doing? Have you been getting a good reception on the book? Yeah. The, the reception on the book is that it's very encouraging, which is totally my goal. The, the, the goal of the book is when you put it down, you understand that I am just like you. I'm a normal person that God picked out and used all my bad for good. And I just sat down and wrote it. And I want people to say, if she can do it, I can do it. If God can use her, he can use me. If God can take that mess and make it a, a platform, then he can do that with me. And that's what I love too, is like, 
when my Instagram is growing, when my book is selling, when I'm, when I'm being booked to speak big events across the country, I'm like, thank you, Jesus, because not only am I going to glorify you when I get on that stage, but you're showing people that you really did have a plan. You're showing people that you did take away my salon and my six businesses and my house and my friends and my family and my home because you had something else. If I was sitting here doing nothing, people would go, yeah, look at your God. He took everything from you. What do you have left? People look at my life now and go, dude, she's killing it. And I'm like, I'm not killing it. He's killing it. He said he would. Yeah. Of course he did. Yeah. That 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 is that is powerful, and that's what I want to encourage uh, a lot of the the people out there. Like we, you know, again, if you are a frontline warrior, if you if you are warrior, if you are warrior blood, warrior ministry, uh, and and you're trying to figure out why am I so weird? Why am I always out there? Why is there always drama? It's because you're out there where the bullets actually are, and most people just do ministry about what people like you go through. Uh, and that's, that's the truth is that there is a very comfortable ministry where people tell the stories of people like us who actually do the things and go through this stuff. And, and, they, and, they, and I guess it's very lucrative and very comfortable and very happy. We know that world. We know it at all. Nope. But I, I, Sounds boring to me. Exactly. I'd rather get persecuted every day. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> but I tell you what, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, when people look at their trials and tribulations and they have no idea how they're going to make it. They look for people just like you that empower them and encourage them. They may never say thank you. Uh, they may never you know, call you or email you, but the fact that they're still drawing breath, they didn't kill themselves, they didn't take themselves mm -hmm. out. Uh, and, and this leads me to my last question uh, that I really want you to, you know, uh, I wanna hit you with a, a couple words and I want you to tell me, what do you say to this? Um, Shame. How do you overcome shame? Boy, that's a good one. Um, because, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is being able to speak out about my abortion. And that is the most shameful thing I've ever done. I think, I think that my lack of shame is more of a testimony to how powerful God is. Because it's something that I should be so ashamed of. I should not want to speak about it. I take hits every time I do from the left, of course, not from Christians, from, from Christians. It's thank you for, for, from Christians. It's like the amount of women that have had an abortion and are ashamed of it won't tell a soul, but they told me on my Instagram is insane. Right. But the fact that I will speak about something that is so shameful is more of a testimony of how powerful God is because I should be so wallowed in my shame that you wouldn't know I did it. But then that doesn't do any good for the gospel, for the glory of God. And so I don't know personally how I got over the shame except to give God the glory that I remember the day I got on my knees, literally in a pew, because the pastor had said, is there something that you need to give to God? And I went, yep. And I bawled my eyes out and I gave my child to God. And I've never been the same since that the shame was lifted because that's how powerful he is. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so true. And I, and the, the, the reason why I wanted you to, to address that is because anybody that sees this, I want them to see, because I know how the devil likes to have private conversations mm -hmm. with us and the enemy, you know, like, and then and I call it a lower self, the, 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 
the loser version of a person likes to try to exist to the safe version, the person that, you know, is, is that, that tries to oppress the conqueror and the warrior and the victor. They, they, we all, we share the same body yeah. and that person will, will always try to convince us to not take that extra step. And uh, the spirit of God in us is always going to say, take the extra step. And so mm-hmm. I know that shame is one of those uh, sneaky, you know, stronghold that the enemy tries to put on us uh and the other the other word i want to throw at you with five with four minutes left is transition uh you know what is how like what is what what comes to your mind when i say transition well it's a trigger word first of all i think about the the trans movement no no transition no you can't transition you're born as you're born okay let me get over my ptsd um i think transition if we're if we're gonna apply it in this in the sense of like transitioning into the role that God's called you into, I would say that that is a never-ending process. It is never ending. I literally right now, as I sit here, am questioning and have been for the last probably six, five, six days, am I exactly where God wants me? Am I doing, am I saying what God wants me to say? I feel like I'm preoccupied with this and this. Am I preoccupied because Satan is dangling a carrot and I'm, I'm taking it? Or is that something God's blessing me with, but I'm feeling insecure because Satan knows to make me feel insecure about it. My warrior ministry is a spiritual battle nonstop, 24 hours yeah. a day. If I put lipstick on, am I trying too hard to look a certain way? Does God want me to be all natural and look a certain way so that I can spread the gospel? I mean, everything is a challenge. I'm I'm working on a new company that I'm not allowed to talk about. And I'm the people I'm working on it with are devout Christians and it's totally a faith-based project, but it could be very successful. And Satan's trying to tell me, oh, you're in it for the money. Oh, you're doing it because it's a financial opportunity. That's why it's a distraction. You're not following God's will. So is that God telling me that I'm not focused or is that Satan trying to take something away from me that God's trying to bless me with? How do we have that discernment? The transition into walking with God and being a warrior for God, not only is it a never-ending battle, it's a never-ending project. I will never be exactly as God wants me to be or who God wants me to be because Satan will always be there trying to trick me and deceive me. He is a lion roaring about looking who to devour. Well, trust me, he wants to devour me because I'm trying to follow God. He is like chomping at my heels. And, and what I can say to that, what I can say to that, honestly, is that you, know, uh, you, you are more than a conqueror and you are defining yourself by what God said. So when you make those, I call, you know, you know, how when you watch a movie, you go take one, this is such and such, take two. Yeah. When we make those mistakes, the, the one thing that is going to take the, 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 the end of the day, we're going to be defined as well-doing good and faithful servants of God because we never stop. Like you said, it is an ongoing process and that's where we can be encouraged. And uh, I, well, we're about out of time and I want to encourage everybody to make sure you go to patriotbarbie.com, support her, support Lindsay. Uh, you are phenomenal. And I'm so glad I had the opportunity to really communicate with you. I hope we get to do this again. Me too. Uh, you have to text me 50 times before I will, but yeah. <laughs> 
It's true. It's true. Oh my god! But, but I was I was determined. I was like, I gotta have you I'm on. Gonna, I'm gonna uh, blow her up. She can be mad yeah, at me all she wants. I'm a right. warrior. <laughs> exactly. We we can fight. We can argue. But yeah, but I want to tell you, I'm so proud of you. Don't ever stop. I'm always gonna be that voice in your head, constantly encouraging you, even when you want to give up. I believe in you 100. percent And I know that you're gonna have those ups and downs, but you gotta keep going uh, because you like you're helping so many people and you're inspiring so many people uh and and i want to recommend to you um there's this wonderful ministry called one new man ministries.org it's the number one one new man ministries.org it, it's such an encouraging word uh to it gives you the the ins and outs of even the old and new testament to just to help you when you, if you ever want to listen to a podcast just to help mm-hmm. you stay encouraged one new man ministries is yeah. phenomenal just for encouraging warriors and that's the number one by the way one new man ministry. but uh make sure you i get a chance to subscribe to them and check them out because they're su- such a in-depth it, it, i call it the 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 nutrients for warriors awesome. you know, that, that's what it is so if you ever want to i need that, that's what i need yeah the one new man ministries.org they're phenomenal well i'm not going to hold you up anymore thank you so much is there anything you want people to know how to contact you or anything yeah, I mean, you can contact me at uh, Lindsay at PatriotBarbie.com. Um, PatriotBarbie.com is the perfect website. Thank you for sharing that. And yes, please keep praying for Duke. Um, keep praying for me. We need it. I mean, we really need it. I I feel when people are praying for me, it's complete yeah. strangers. And I'm not kidding when I say that um, there are times that I want to just give up and say, well, all right, well, what, what's next? Because this is just, this is hard. And the devil knows where to get us. So please be praying for us. All right. Well, listen, uh, anytime you have something going on that you want to share, just hit me up. Let me know. You know, you got it. All Her book is available on comingsoonjesus.org. It's also available on Amazon and all those platforms. But I guess the best thing to do would be to buy it right from your website, right? Yep. Yep. Because uh, you can buy a signed copy if you'd like. Yeah. Let's, let's do it. Let, let's make sure she stays blessed. Let's keep her empowered. She's on the front line. Thank you so much. We love you very, very much. You are absolutely amazing. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor Duke.